All right. Okay. So I'm back. Yay. Um, the past couple of months have been just wild and up and down and roller coaster and upside down. What a ride. So um, I'm going to share a little bit of this, my story. But first, I'm going to say at the top, there is um, this episode's pretty deep, so there is talk of mental health issues, depression, even a brief mention of suicide. So if you're in a place where that is not good for you or your mental health, please skip it. And um, that's fine. Do what's best for you. And also, I might curse a little bit in this episode. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So where to begin? I, I'm realizing that, like, Okay, I'm 34 years old, so life is just kind of this grand journey, and I thought that you'd have to have a destination. Like, I kind of thought at 34, I don't know, I would have figured things out a little bit more by now, and I'm realizing that is absolutely untrue, not the case at all. I've tried so many different things in my life. I mean, I've been everything from, like, a zoo educator camp counselor at the aquarium. Um, I've done teaching and everything from pre-K to college age kids. I've done so much in my life. Um, I've done field work. I tried to organize a trip or a few trips and worked on the logistics and the planning of those. So like have done events, project management, marketing, advertising, I'm starting this business, supposedly um, figuring all that out, taxes and spreadsheets and expenses. I mean, like, you know, there's a whole gamut of things that I've been learning. Um, science, doing all the science and writing and papers and studying. So I guess what I'm saying is by my age, I thought I would have had more to show for it, or I thought I would have had, I don't know, just like a something, something to show for it. Yeah, I founded this organization, but like, I still don't even know what the fuck I'm doing, honestly. So um, <laughs> someone just tell me what to do. And uh, that's been the crises I've been in, personally. I started Nova Conservation, wanting to help conservation. Like if you go back and listen to an old episode, um, like my first one, I think I was just like doing field work, trudging through mud and being like, I can help conservation so much more than just trudging around through mud, checking bird nets when most of the time there were no birds in there anyway. <laughs> and so it just felt like a waste of time and I wasn't getting compensated and everything. So uh, I went to start this and you, if you have been following our journey since the essentially since the pandemic, the very, like I started right before the pandemic, thought I was just going to do some trips um, to raise funds for conservation. Then when pandemic hit, we can't travel, of course. So I, I switched to building a database of all the, these opportunities. I got a Kickstarter going. I had like interns. I had some people um, that I was actually paying a small um, amount for to help me part-time. I had a uh, God, I've done so, like, I even was telling my story with someone, and I was like, I forgot all the things I did. Oh, yeah, so after the database didn't work and didn't fall through, I spent so much money on that, 
and uh, didn't it didn't come to fruition the way I wanted it, and that's okay. But you know, it, the idea is still there. <sighs> so then I did a review site because some of these organizations that were posting on our database were not ethical. And then I was like set out to de determined to find the difference between an ethical versus an unethical organization. And like what qualifications make an experience worthwhile and give back versus which ones don't. Like I was set to find that solution. So for whatever reason, I got it in my head that I have to through Nova Conservation, I have to find the answers and have like it really clearly in black and white. And yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a fallacy. Um, I was even talking to someone and he was like, yeah, that sounds like your white American, uh, <laughs> that sounds like your white American way of looking at the world. Like we just want to find a solution and solve it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's my savior complex there. So um, sheesh. Yeah, so where I am now, after the review site, I still have it. It's up, but it's not great. Um, I kind of circled back to doing trips and just trying to bring funds to conservation. So that was my next focus. Okay, I'm going to just do everything I can to bring money into conservation. Like, there's so much money out there. Now it's my goal to bring all the funds and, like, put it back and give it back to the organizations that are doing the best, that are actually paying their intern techs and like staff and that are actually contributing the most effectively to conservation. Again, me having to save and decide and be the determining factor of who's effective, who's not, la la la. Like it's, it's, there's not much. Um, okay, so I will say that I am an extreme people pleaser. <laughs> and I learned very difficult, like the very difficult way of you cannot please everyone. And I really wanted to. And I wanted to make it so that everyone was happy. And everyone was proud of the work that we are doing here at Nova Conservation. Oh, buddy. Oh, mm. I just, I wanted to please everyone around me. And specifically one person in particular, um, because, um, yeah, I, I don't want to get into that right now, but I didn't ever feel like I received love or pride from like a, a feeling of satisfaction or security or safety from this person. And I needed validation. And that carried over into my life, my adulthood, and made it really hard to decide what to do because I was not listening to myself. I didn't know how to listen to myself. I didn't know how to have the coping mechanisms to, to make decisions that weren't for other people, but for me. Now, if you really break it down, I realized I didn't even love myself. I didn't know what self-love looked like. I mean, I thought I did, and I, you could say that, but I didn't feel it. I was so defensive, um, protecting myself and my identity, and my identity being wrapped up in Nova, too. I was so 
I mean, everyone said I'm so hard on myself. I'm so hard on myself. How do you fix that though? So over the past couple of months, I've had to really break down a lot, a lot of layers and dig deep into my myself and my introspective nature and figure out who I am and what I want out of life. And what I came up with is this. Basically, I mean, this is very surface level stuff. I could talk for ages about it, but you don't want to hear about that. I, I realized I hate <laughs> asking people for money or dealing with the business side of things, logistics, spreadsheets, uh, you know, all of uh, the event planning, the detail-oriented tasks. Ugh. I hate all that. I am a visionary. I'm a big thinker. I love brainstorming. I love tossing around ideas. I love generating energy and concepts and <laughs> really diving into deep, complex topics. And that I was that I have this such a such a bad inner critic. So my inner critic was like, well, you can't have a job like that. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to like someone's going to have to do the spreadsheet. Someone's going to have to do the things that you know, you don't like doing. So it might as well be you. So suck it up and starting a business is hard. You're going to have to just do it. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And so I just kept denying myself and what I was good at and what I enjoyed for the benefit of the planet and the work I'm trying to do with Nova. And um, I kept being like, why is it that <laughs> I'm doing what I always said I wanted to do, right? Like I'm starting my own business. I'm following my path. I'm following my dream. I have my own organization. And yet I'm still so confused and so struggling. I'm just struggling to just like do stuff. I have this dream job where I don't even have to get paid. And yet I'm burning out and burning out and burning out. <sighs> Guys, I burnt out to the point of a nervous breakdown. I really did. Like, it was rough. Um, yeah, in this past month especially, was very, very challenging for a bunch of different reasons. I'm not going to go into the, all those details, but God, I am. Um, I've grown so much though in the past couple of months. Like even I look back from some of my Instagram posts or Facebook posts or something from a few months ago, even I'm like, oh, cringe. But if you don't feel like you're growing and you're not like kind of cringing at your old self, then you know that's that's a it's a, not a bad thing to like be cringing at the past. But um, I just want to keep listening to my inner voice and my inner guidance and figuring out how I got it and how to listen to it and <laughs> how to not listen to the inner critic that all the voices, God, all the voices that clogged out my true compass, my true intuitive self and helped guide me where I need to be. Every, it was so, my brain, it was so like 
think about it like um like plaque and um not plaque but uh, I guess I don't even know I'm not a medical person but like plaque can there be plaque in your arteries you know it's all clogged up with like cholesterol and all that gunk and I couldn't hear myself think and breathe it was just constantly what does someone else want me to do what what do I think I should do what should 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 what should be the next good thing for conservation what should um I produce to help the most people what should I do to be most effective and all of those questions as a struggling and recovering perfectionist ate me alive they just ate at me so I'm learning to take deep breaths I'm learning the things I am good at which are many but I was given some specific encouragement from a friend that I'm a good communicator. I can connect with people really well. I like to write. I can communicate my thoughts well. As, even as I'm saying this, the inner critic's like, well, look at you right, like doing this podcast. You're just rambling all over the place. No, screw you, inner critic. Like, I know what I'm good at and what I'm capable of. And I know what lights me up and this type of stuff lights me up um you're probably wondering what this all has to do with conservation i'm getting there so keep keep hanging in there so yeah other things i'm good at are i'm an empathetic scientist right so a lot of scientists are black and white. And my friend Mallory helped me see this. So science is, you know, truth or falsehood. We have a null hypothesis and you have a hypothesis. Like you, you, one thing cannot be simultaneously true and not true at the same time in science. It's pretty black or white. Um, there's no room for empathy. There's no room for nuance or dialogue or discussion about the philosophical arguments of a scientific uh, point. Scientists tend to be rational, logical, concise, um, very decisive, and they're not really considered the most empathetic people usually. I, as one of my gifts, am an empathetic scientist. I can, I can see both point, I can see both points of view. And this really struck a chord with me. At uh, I was watching the Flat Earth documentary that came out a few years ago. It's probably like 2019, something like that. But at the very end there's a convention of scientists and all the scientists get up there and they're like making fun of these flat earthers and they're like, how can they believe such a ridiculous conspiracy theory? This is, this is insane. Like everyone knows the earth is round. And then this one guy gets up and he goes, listen, you know as well as I do that the earth is round. Like we know the science behind this. But by excluding them, and laughing at them and making fun of them, the people who think differently, were making fun of their ability to ask questions and to be curious and inquisitive. 
we're dismissing them when we should be welcoming them. We're ignoring them and pushing them off to the side when in reality, they're their own scientists. They have important things to say. They really do want to find truth. It's just that their truth is very much misguided. So instead of Instead of rejecting them, let's open the door. Let's accept them and see how we can work together to bridge this gap between whether it's science versus conspiracy theories or whether it's the right versus the left, Trump versus Biden, whatever. Let's work together and find the common ground that we do have and share it and try to come together so that we're not as polarized or not as divided especially in the United States, which is where I am. But the whole world can benefit from this idea that we can't just shut someone up or toss them to the side because their ideas are different. I mean, it is not, <laughs> and this is another thing, I want it to be my role to like save everyone. No, it is not my role to do that. It's not your role to do that. But we can have like these, <laughs> these um, conversations about... <laughs> I go back to the word nuanced, like it's just nuanced. It's not always like pay to work versus not pay to work. Like it, it could be more, there could be more to it than that. And yeah, like going back to the conservation side of things, like, yeah, you have to pay sometimes for these experiences, but why do you have to pay for them? Are you paying to work? Or are you paying for an actual experience? I mean, that's, that's ultimately up to each person individually. I can't make that determining factor for you, but you know, with enough information and resources, you can decide which experiences are the best for you. So it's not as simple as, eh, we're just going to dismiss anyone who thinks this way or who doesn't like, you know, who doesn't recycle because they should know better. Or, you know, gatekeeping. Like, if you're not vegan, here's, you know, if everyone should go vegan and here's why. Well, there's tons of reasons people can't go vegan. Like, I don't know, man, like it just kind of pisses me off when you can exclude a whole bunch of people just to gain some internet clout. I'm not about that. I tried to do the social media thing towards the end there, trying to grow a business and God, I watched so many YouTube videos and um, listen to podcasts. There's so many ways you can grow a business online it's insane how many resources there are now. Like you could listen and consume information for years and still not have a thriving business because you're just consuming all the information, which is kind of what I was tending to do. So I was just like, okay, I'll just do these stupid Instagram reels. And I hated it. I hate it. Like I hate social media. <laughs> I, I don't, I just don't like it. Some people are really good at it. Some people love making it. Some people love those reels and they love the creativity involved in that. It was such a chore for me that I was like, I'm going to stop. This is ridiculous. It's not worth my mental health and my sanity. And at the end of the day, why am I doing this? To promote a business that like should be making money and isn't because I feel like this is the most important thing to do, even though deep down... I wanted something else and I was too scared and too afraid to let my guard down and see what it was that I wanted. I thought I was pursuing what I wanted 
No, no, no. I was not. I've peeled back so many layers of who I am lately. <laughs> uh, God, it's really, it's really crazy. And yeah, I've come to the circling back to like these specific encouragements. So I am, you know, a communicator. I'm an empathetic scientist who can hopefully work to include people and help them feel like they can be part of the conservation. No, excuse me, the conversation about conservation instead of just being like, oh, you don't recycle. Like I'm going to automatically dismiss you over this one trait that you have. That scares people away. If people want to learn how to go zero waste or people want to learn how to get into wildlife, you know, we can't automatically just dismiss anyone. Um, It's not right. It's not right. So being an empathetic scientist, then I'm also really creative and imaginative. And you know, this is something I have not explored fully in my adulthood. I was, they say like when you're, struggling in adulthood to go back to what you enjoyed as a child. And so I go back and I like do my meditations and I think I ponder and I really loved making things up and stories and daydreaming and using my creativity to, I don't know, create something in the world. Like I have a vivid imagination, but at some point it was all about grades and doing what's right and good and expected of you and math and science and grades and pleasing people and pleasing your teachers and pleasing your family and making everyone look good and doing all the things so that you look good. And I lost my, I lost my inner child. I lost her and I like her. She's pretty cool. And I want her to come back. (laughs) So by sharing this story via the podcast, I feel like she's re- re- returning, like she's coming back and she's sharing that spark and that light that um, I've really snuffed out as a child. <laughs> so it's a beautiful thing. It's a good journey I'm on. Um, so creativity and imagination. And I still, I'm not sure exactly how, like I've been writing a lot. I've been playing around with guitar a little bit. I suck at it, but that's okay because it's just for me. It's just for me. And I don't have to, I don't have to um, do stuff in this world that provides value always. Like that is how I thought I had to provide value to the world or to people other than me. And having a mindset, a paradigm shift, a restructuring of my brain that now says, all I have to do is provide something that's valuable to me and what I want to do. That's my goal in life is to like make myself happy. Like, no, no, no. I never thought that was my goal. Like I, I immediately rejected that from everything from, you know, how I was raised. Then I got absorbed into this church cult like kind of thing. Um, and they gave a whole bunch of rules Rule book, rule book after rule book after rule book got instilled in my head. The environmental movement I got into when I was in college. So there's a whole set of rules there. Um, as a mom, you get a whole new set of rules. Oh my God, I, don't get me started. I think I like had multiple panic attacks as a mom, but I wasn't able to recognize it because it was so stigmatized to like 
admit you need help. And I thought I was doing a good job admitting I needed help. That's the thing too. Like I was pretty sure everyone just kind of lived with this low grade depression, anxiety, and that I just had to kind of suck it up because that's the messages that I was told. Don't express emotions. Don't share. Don't cry. Don't do it, you know? Um, Follow the rules and you will live a good life. And that's what life is about. So hearing the self-care messages, hearing the messages of you deserve, I deserve? No, I don't, no. You uh, are valuable. What? No. No, I have to be producing something. I have to be producing something for someone externally. And you know what that leads to? A whole need for external validation. Oh my God. Wow. I was on that train hard, especially starting a business, starting my own thing. I was, I was really struggling with what I wanted to do because I sought that external validation so much because I didn't have it in myself. I just didn't. And I'm still working on it, but I am getting there. I am. And I'm being as true to myself as I possibly can now. That Now that I know how to listen to her. Now that I know not to listen to the bitch, the inner critic, that voice of rules in my head. It even feels like I was in a cult, like I got out of the cult of my mind. It was a cult I created in my own head. And I'm writing all this stuff down. Like I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so sensitive and tender. I'm a peach. You know, like peaches, if you drop a peach, they bruise easily, right? So my husband, for example, would be like a coconut. Or he can take all sorts of hits throughout life and doesn't seem to be affected. He's a, he's a tough one. I am a goddamn peach. I am a goddamn peach. I bruise so much. And like I said on, you know, the Instagram thing that I shared pretty recently, I feel so much pain of the world and I feel that suffering and I internalize it. And I, I'm even like crying now and that's okay. It's okay to cry on the podcast because it's my podcast. I can do whatever the fuck I want. So I, <laughs> I internalized it, everything, like every little, um, every like thing in the world that was unfair or unjust, I felt on my shoulders. And I don't know why I had this burden. Like, I don't know why me. And I don't know why I just feel it so much. I don't know, but I do. So I have to be very careful with what I consume. The media I consume, the things I hear. Okay, well, I kind of do know a little bit, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to share that publicly. So I might be editing this out. I'm not sure, but... Um, deep breathing. For whatever reason, my brain chemistry and my tendency to my tendency towards depression and anxiety, my perfectionism, 
whether it was you know, nature or nurture, I don't know. But along the way, I thought there was one way of doing things and that way was right. And I was always chasing it. Always chasing it in order to please in order to please everyone except for me. And now that I'm finally seeing that as the fallacy, as the trap that it is, I finally can defeat the inner critic and not listen to that voice anymore, but listen to the voice of love, of intuition, of God, if you want to use those words, of that divine being, she in me. And it really is revolutionary. It's truly extraordinary. I'm by no means perfect. But overall, at least I'm not like, I don't know, not like sleeping through my life. Like I'm intentionally, I've, I've, I'm intentionally trying to figure out what it is I'm meant to do and my purpose and all that shit and like the, all that existential drama and I've been figuring, trying to figure that out for years, years. And just thought I was the problem because I'm depressed and I'm anxious and woe is me. And so I, you know, go and get different meds and go and change it. And I never had like a concrete diagnosis of like, okay, yeah, depression, anxiety, whoop-de-doo. Everyone deal, uh, deals with that. That's what like my inner critic said. Like, you're not special. You're not unique at all. Like, you just have to push through life. Because, like, it's so common. Depression, anxiety, whatever. Just just do your do your work, Laura, and keep going. Okay, okay. I told myself over and over and over again. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll do what you say. I'll live the life that has been dictated by my inner voice instead of the life that I'm, I'm intentionally choosing. But I didn't know that. Like, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to. Why that inner voice was so strong beats me. Well, I have some ideas. <sighs> so, um, I also really just love people. And that's another one of my great strengths. Like, yes, I feel the pain and I feel the depths and I feel the suffering of the world very much. Like I said, I have to be careful to control what I consume, my news, my media, because one little thing where someone can look at and be like, oh, that sucks and move on, like it will stick with me and it will linger. And like, you know, a few years ago, it was right after I had my first child where that, where there was a migrant crisis and I can't remember the details because everything was so blurry. Like I can't remember details or specifics. I just remember feelings. I just remember seeing, <laughs> I'm going to cry right now thinking about it. Okay. That picture of a little boy washed up on shore trying to escape a horrible life for a better life just these tears are a blessing and I'm I'm not going to apologize for them because I feel deeply and I care so much 
I feel it. But what I did with that pain was I just put it back on myself. Over and over, I would just beat myself up for wanting things instead of donating that $50 to migrant crisis or some kind of climate change action. I'd always have to buy, make sure I'd buy secondhand. I couldn't buy anything new for myself. I felt like over time, because the world is so broken and so awful, it really felt like I needed to be the best person possible to like even the scales almost like everyone else sucks <laughs> like everyone's destroying the planet and there's people who are dying my inner critic would say things like the least you could do Laura is make a positive impact this way the least you could do is not be so selfish and not think like think of, instead of thinking about you like give to other people like <sighs> Ah, this is really in-depth and this is really hard, but this is something I've been wanting to share, I mean, publicly, I guess, for a while now. Oh, sorry, you're hearing my snot in the background. I don't know if anyone else feels this way. I don't know. But if you do, don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed it is a gift, and I'll tell you why it's a gift. Because I was told it wasn't a gift. I was told you need to suck it up. I was told you need to get your shit together and go to school and make good grades. You can't spend all your time in bed crying. But I'd like to reframe my years of childhood beliefs. I'd like to reframe that because it is a gift. I feel so much and now that I've gone through this journey of like okay I feel really bad why 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 do I keep feeling like this why I know it's it's got to be more than just like general depression anxiety why tell me somebody tell me why I am the way I am and I dug and I dug and I explored and I even to the point of like yeah that like my breakdown I am this way for a reason and you know <laughs> then the inner critic's like well now that you know that you're gonna have to help people with it like your life is gonna be meaningless unless you actually use this knowledge to give back to others and help others and again I want to counter that voice this fucking strong voice in my head saying you must do more you must keep going I'm gonna counter it with I am me and I can do things just for me and I can exist and I can take up space and I deserve to be here even though every, every brain cell in my head is screaming, no, you don't. No, you need to produce, Laura. You need to do better. That's selfish. Why? Why do I think like that? Yeah, 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 yeah.
know, it's a gift because being so broken and then being able to survive all of that, all that I've gone through over the past couple of months and coming out on the other side stronger with a knowledge of how to listen to me and how to follow that inner voice. I I don't know. Like I, yeah, so getting back to talking about why I feel like this is a gift. It's hard to say all this. It's, it's really a challenge to be this, this vulnerable. I'm opening up my entire being for you guys, the two of you that are listening probably. I'm like exposing every nerve and every tendon and every artery. And I'm just laying bare and being like, this is me. This is who I am. Take me or leave me. And someone's most people are probably going to leave me. They're going to be like, I'm not going to listen to this girl crying on a podcast. It's ridiculous. Um, I cannot be someone I'm not. I just, it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. And I've done that for so long. I just can't be someone I'm not. And who I am cries a lot. Sorry. (laughs) But I say that because It can be a gift to help people who might be in the same boat. And believe me, like, we know living in America or, you know, if you're living in the Western world, the fast-paced, industrialized, produce more capitalistic machine that we live in, you're just meant to be a cog and to go and to produce and to not think deeply about things, not think critically, just work yourself to death or work yourself so much that all you can do at the end of the day is zone out on television and watch advertisements and get more brainwashed into buying things you don't need that destroy the planet. It's just, that's how we live. And I'm saying, no, like, no, I want that to end. I feel that and I see that happening all around me. I see it in myself. I see that tendency in myself too. And it's not right. That's not, this is not the way humans are supposed to live. And that's not the way anyone's supposed to live. And so, I mean, like, I'm trying to bring this full circle to conservation because that's what this podcast is about. But it's, it's for every, every part of our lives, every aspect, everything, everything in our lives needs to be healed. And that starts with healing yourself as I am learning. (laughs) So I have tried to heal the planet, tried to heal the problems in conservation, tried to do everything externally for that validation from people, like just general. And it failed. It constantly failed. It constantly failed because... I didn't know how to get validation within me Um, because I didn't like who I was. Ultimately, really, this is who I am, a crying, (laughs) depressed, kind of mess of a person. But I'm also beautiful and special and kind of a prophet in the sense of like, I see things that other people don't. 
I have that gift. And yes, that gift is not valuable in a capitalistic society. Sorry. I'm not my husband. I can't work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week and then come home right away um, without a break and then like immediately go take care of kids or immediately go cook dinner. Like this is what society wants from people. And not everyone is like that. And I'm telling you that it's okay. And I know that there's more people out there who are like this and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be different. It's okay to stand out. And that's the other thing with the inner critic. I'm just an Enneagram four, which means I'm the individualistic one. I just want to be different and stand out. And like, I'm not, you know, like the inner critic would be like, I'm not special. You're not special, Laura. You're just one. You just want to be special. (sighs) I have faced so many adversaries and they've all been in my own head. That's crazy. I mean, it sounds, it, it's not crazy because that word is loaded, but it sounds absurd. But that is truly what I've been dealing with. I have the thoughts and the rules in my head will never make me happy. Because if that inner voice says, you know, oh, you should have, you should have, um, you should have biked instead of driving your car and using gas. Okay, so I go and bike. And then I'm like, oh, well, you should have made sure that you stopped by that one thing, like didn't, did all these, <laughs> did all these chores to bring your recycling and do this and do that. And like, I can never win. Like, it's always, oh, you should do more, more, more. I'm never enough, never enough. That comes from childhood. That comes from how I was raised, honestly. And I'm not going to get into it here, but that did a lot of harm. A lifetime of harm. So, I am fully 100%, and you can hear it now, accepting myself for who I am, in my shaky voice, in my tears running down my face, in my just way of being that I am. <laughs> I am, I'm accepting it. Now, I know I won't be like crying and sobbing on every podcast. That would be kind of ridiculous. But this is just like an example of this shit that I've gone through and the thought process that I have in my head and the depth of my brain. (laughs) I don't know. It oftentimes feels like I am um, kind of floating. Like everyone else is down here on earth and they can like do their things and they can get ready for school and get and go to work and produce in society and just like live their lives and I'm up above like watching everyone like I'm zoning out and I'm in my own headspace and all the time I'd have to snap back down to earth in order to get stuff done but like my natural tendency is just to float just to kind of be up here and think about things and 
not really want to do all of those productive things that society likes, but just exist. And I can't always snap myself out of it. Now that I'm an adult, like I've been an adult for half my life, geez, it's like, now that I'm an adult, I, you'd think as soon as you grow up, like you'll figure it out, but I'm just now figuring it out. I'm just now realizing that that's me. It's just me. And I don't have to fit into someone else's mold of what they expect from me. So I will continue to share stuff of mental health. I, it was determined because I, at my mental break, it was determined that I have quite severe depression and I, um, I, um, I, I always knew I had some, but I would never admit how serious it was, you know? Um, I had, um, I have quite severe anxiety, again, just kind of white-knuckled it through, never being able to fully admit how bad it was due to the stigmatization, due to having too many issues. It was bad. It's been bad my whole life. I just thought everyone dealt with it. I also have probably a little bit of PTSD. Um, so I'm, I'm getting medicine to help with that. Um, I'm getting a lot of help. Um, a lot of therapy. A lot of therapy. Uh, I'm in the outpatient program at a local hospital going through that to make sure that I am, you know, I have the resources I need. Uh, and that's been really good. It's been really good. There's tons of help. And I would, you know, that's the other thing too, is like for, I keep saying like 15 years. Yeah, about 15 years, I would, I knew something was off and I sought therapy for probably 15 years, like different therapists over the years. And they'd say different pithy things here and there, but never really getting to the heart, never getting to the root. And so those things would work for a little bit and they'd be like a little band-aid and make me feel better for a short period of time. And then it was back to the pits of hell <laughs> and depression hit once again. And I'd wonder why, why can I not shake this off? I guess I just have to live with it. Realizing that I have suffered abuse and trauma and like finally admitting that and not being, it's not that I was ashamed, but it's like I was, I wasn't physically injured, right? I wasn't sexually assaulted. I was just, my peach of a brain just absorbed and turned things and twisted it and did not handle life well all growing up. And it's no one's fault. It's just the way I am. And it sucks. 
<laughs> but I'm doing so much better. So much better. Yeah, so... Um, Okay, so I'll try to wrap this up. I don't even know if I'm really going to even release this because this, this is a lot. But one of the things I struggle with, apparently, is boundary setting. I mean, I think I can do boundaries pretty well with people, but where I was struggling was boundaries in my work and expectations for my potential and pleasing everyone, like people pleasing. So boundaries are the distance at which my love for you, someone else, does not affect, wait, no, boundaries are the distance at which my love for someone externally and love for myself can coexist so that I'm not pouring too much into someone else, but I'm actually able to take care of myself and, to t and take care of the other person. So the, that's the definition of boundaries that I've been getting through therapy. My thing is that I don't feel like I have boundary issues with people, but with the planet, like <laughs> nature as a whole. So I have this twisted view of boundaries in which I feel like I have to take care of everyone who's suffering. Okay, not everyone. I can narrow it down to at least, okay, just conservationists. I'll focus on I'll focus on conservationists that are struggling. Cool. Like, okay, then I can mentally set apart all like the racial tension, all of the like LGBTQIA issues and like all of the migrant stuff, all of the people that are suffering due to drug overdoses and opiate addiction and every other ailment on the planet, not to mention that climate change is forcing people to leave and evacuate their homes in the uh, millions to billions in the next 40 years. Okay, I'll just focus on helping conservationists. <laughs> and even that was too much like even that led to burnout so my boundary setting is now taking care of me and doing what I feel I need to do and my skills and my giftings and that might mean I make zero money and that's okay if I do make money I want to put it right back to conservation after I take care of myself because that's super important too <laughs> that's what I forget so um yeah, I, I, I can't solve the world's problems. I can't even solve the little slice of pie problems that are here on the conservation and wildlife community side of things. Like for a while, I was really into like all those Facebook groups and really trying to solve and tease apart, you know, what's ethical, what's unethical. I started a Facebook group on my own. Um, didn't get very far because I <laughs> burnout <laughs> um, and me trying to solve all the problems. Haha. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe we can figure this out as a community, guys. Like maybe if you're with me, you know, if you're with me and you just feel like conservation is just like kind of messy and messed up. And yes, there's definitely organizations that take advantage of people for sure. But for the most part, most nonprofits are running at a shoestring budget and just trying to do the best they can. And it is messed up. And it is a system we cannot fix easily. Even though I have tried. I even considered being a consultant for nonprofits so that I can help them fix their issues with money and make sure that they're not taking advantage of people. Um, 
Yes, there are so many issues. And if you're a type of person who also sees like, okay, yes, nonprofits are messed up and that's all well and like, that's true, not well and good, but it's true. But yet there's still this whole shortage of um, money and jobs and careers in the field of conservation. And that leads to privilege and people who are privileged getting prioritized. Like if you can, if you have to pay to work jobs as you do in this field, which is ridiculous, but that, that leads to a whole nother set of problems where we're getting nowhere in diversity, equity, and inclusion of all sorts of, you know, racial, socioeconomic status, what have you. So like there's, there are the other way of, there's the other way of thinking too, which is like, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You can do anything. You can make it if you believe in it and it's strong enough. You can just, you just have to make enough money to pay for this course and do this one thing. And you can just, you know, sell your soul to the devil in order to make the money needed to make it in wildlife conservation. There's that line of uh, camp of thinking too. Like there's that line of reasoning too. And there's some validity in that. But I don't think one is right and one is wrong. I just think we need to keep talking about it. We need to keep having these conversations. We got to keep doing it. It's important. And we need to take care of ourselves and our own mental health in this journey of taking care of the planet. Because guys, we can burn ourselves out so easily. We are empathetic, sensitive, wonderful, caring, kind human beings. If you care at all about the future of the planet, you have an like you have some compassion in you and that can be used against you. It has been used against me to buy more things or to act a certain way. It's it's so sneaky. It's so sneaky. Yes, we are kind. Yes, we are compassionate and caring, but we can't let people walk all over it. Or we can't let people walk all over us. I was recently in Belize and that trip, (laughs) I'll talk about another time, but um, it didn't go as planned. Let's just say that. Uh, But my roommate, um, she said she has something hanging on her wall that says, do no harm, take no shits. And I'm like, okay, I got the, I got the do no harm part down, but I need to work on the taking no shits. I need to work on the standing up for myself because my compassion bone is pretty much the entirety of my body. (laughs) So I let people walk all over me and I try to please them and I get their, I need their validation externally. And that's not a healthy way to live, as I have found out. In fact, it could get you um, it could get you in quite significant trouble. So don't do that. Don't be like me. Learn from me. <laughs> and maybe me sharing my story will help someone else. I don't know. Just, I don't know. So I had to step back and not fix everything with Nova. And now here I am once again feeling like I'm at ground zero 
regrouping and retooling and rethinking what it is I want to bring to this world through Nova Conservation. I've tried an online database. I've tried all the technological review sites and ideas coming out of my brain. Like I have, I have ideas for days. But what I'm really interested in and what really gives me life is connection. It's connecting with people. I mean, even I was thinking about my trip to Peru uh, about a year ago. And I was like, why is one of my favorite days the day we just like sat on the hammock and we're swinging and hanging out and like singing along to like stupid Whitney Houston hits and stuff like that. Like that was because we were connected. My favorite days weren't the animals I saw. Those were cool. Don't get me wrong. But it was about the connection I felt I had with the other people and even, you know, the people who we were living with. And their and their story is so beautiful too. Like we stayed in this shack and they had family in and out. Did they have anything? Not really. They didn't have running water. They didn't have much um, creature comforts. But they had lots of family and lots of support. And they always had someone there. They had connection. And that's what we're missing. We're missing that in our modern society. It's too fast, too high paced, too much producing, too much go, go, go. We need connection. And I crave connection with others. And so if you have a story you want to connect with, you want to share, I would love to connect with you and hear your story. And I don't say that as a, you know, I once got accused of (laughs) someone being like, oh, you just want to use people's stories for your podcast. No, I'm not going to force anyone to tell me their story. If you don't want to share, that's, that's totally fine. But if you do, I want this to be a place where we can share some of these stories and share our experiences being these sensitive scientists who find it so hard to walk a straight line in this world that is confusing and chaotic and pushing us and telling us which way to go and telling us what to do and telling us how to act and who to be. And it's confusing. And... It's, it's like there's no easy answer, but maybe together we can listen to each other and have some kind of community or support around us and um, help each other out, because that's the goal. I want us to not be infighting in conservation because there's not enough money. Like, it's just a distraction tool for whatever reason. It's just a distraction to, you know, for us to be infighting that <laughs> that we're not doing the effective conservation work that we need to be doing. And instead, we're just like bitching about each other. <laughs> no, I cannot. I really can't um, rag on anyone who's doing positive impact on this planet. Yeah, people mess up and they say the wrong things and they you know, get on a panel and they say wrong words and um, may or may not apologize. But at the end of the day, most people, I believe and I would hope, 
are out to make this world a better place. And yes, it's fine to call people out kindly, encouragingly, if they have made a mistake. And I've done that and I've had that done to me in healthy ways and not so healthy ways. I think we just have to assume the best in each other. Because I took some of that criticism so much because I obviously was pleasing people and thought that I needed to please everyone, um, which is impossible to do. But I took it so hard because I am just a sensitive person like that. I didn't know how to separate myself and my truth and my voice from the true critique that I was receiving. Um, You know, it's just life. It's just, it's good to learn all these lessons. It's fine. (laughs) It's, it's life. And some people are going to be kinder about it and some people aren't. And I am getting to the point, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting to the point where I can take that critique and be like, okay, I'll take what was useful and I'll leave what was harmful or not helpful and I'll move forward with my life because I believe in me and I believe deep down I am good. Honestly, there was a time where I didn't believe deep down I was good. That's from church trauma. We'll talk about that another time, maybe, if we um, get this that far in this podcast. But yeah, you don't think you're a good person. I didn't think I was a good person. Really and truly. Like, really. And people would say, oh, you're such a good person. You're doing all this stuff. No, I didn't believe it. So... Now I do, or at least I'm trying to believe it more and more and listen to that voice of truth, that voice inside me that's saying, you are loved. You are worth being here. You deserve to have things, good things. You can take up space on this earth and it does not mean that others will have to sacrifice because you're taking stuff. You can exist and you can love and you can be, just be. Um, I'd like to end. So I'd like to end this episode. I have been writing some poetry. This is not my own poetry. I am not ready to share that with the world. <laughs> this is Mary Oliver. And this is a poem called Wild Geese. Yeah, I'll just read it. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees. I can't even read it without crying. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay, let me start over. I'm so sensitive today, guys. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes. Over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, 
The world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. We belong here. Yeah, the world is overpopulated and climate change is real and people suffer. But that doesn't mean you're not worth it. It doesn't mean you don't belong in this family of things. You are human and you're worthy. And I wish someone had told me that when I was younger. Or I wish I had the tools to be able to believe it. Okay. Thank you for listening.